welcome to Sunday Sessions, 23rd of August. It's 2020. Thanks for joining me for another Sunday Sessions. And this, as usual, is our weekly time of exploring nature-based folklore, uh, connecting this to your favorite uh, tree and garden sanctuary. And the three pillars of these Sunday Sessions light, repeat again, you can probably repeat them after me now, is explore nature-centered folklore, applying this folklore mindfully outside in your tree or garden sanctuary. And the third one, express your visions through your writing, art, craft, performance, problem solving and vocations. Now today's Sunday session, we're on the last day of Heritage Week here. So this one's a little bit different to the previous ones we've had. And it's a token of honoring uh, Heritage Week here in Ireland. Uh, is there, and I just checked to see how you're doing there. Hello, Sandra, how you doing there? I'm glad, uh, good morning, good morning. There you go, you're there, lovely to see you. Great. Now, um, I think the thing to do is poetry session. Uh, we've got Poets for Heritage. And uh, the first person we've actually got live, we've got, uh, let me introduce you to our first poet, who is uh, Kathleen McTrainer. And uh, he's got a very appropriate poem to start with. Uh, that's very symbolic of what we're about to do. So hello there, Kathleen. Hello, You're John. And hello, everybody. Good afternoon. Good morning. Good evening. Hello, everyone. It's a delight to be here. Thank you, John, for letting me come in to, to share the space with you. Um, I'll start today with uh, a poem called The Scribe. I'm squeaky. Here we go. The scribe fell to his writing, his scratching quill etching the copied words onto the yellowed vellum bathed in the lemon light of the candle's glow. His forehead shaved his hair grown long and back in the manner and style of the Christian Celt, recording his, the heartbeat of his clan and kindred. He and his brothers would dress and form the words and testaments of this new religion, covering each vellum page in coloured loops and designs in the swirling energies of lines, patterns filled with red and green and gold, a filigreed feast of faith and art. The words, the works of Greece and Rome too, would be seen to memory, would be set to memory and record by his buried ink and quill, a bright flame in that age of darkness and ignorance. But what of his own culture, his ancient birthright, the voice stories, tales and sagas of his pagan past held just below the surface of memory. He heard the bell of Christian faith ringing softly in the glen and wood, calling him and his brothers to prayer and fast, to eating in silence while a brother read from the scriptures, whilst nature breathed all around them in the rustling of the oaks and the songs of the birds. The new religion had a Celtic hue, designed and wrought to fit the rhythms and tongue of his clan and people, a thin veneer to cover an older wisdom driven deep now, but never forgotten. In his blood and that of his brothers, the thrill of the hunt was felt still. The great wolfhounds taking down stag and boar 
the sting of wood smoke through reddening eyes as toasts were drunk, and the choicest cuts of meat and sweetest Gaulish wine were held for the poets as they recited the old sagas and tales in the shield-walled trophy halls of his chieftain and kin. The bloodlust of battle and the honour of single combat, heroic deeds sung into memory and rhyme and verse, these stories of clan and blood did not leave him for a monk's habit. How then, as he quietly and patiently, his cat sitting ever watchful by his side for scuttling mice in the candlelight shadow, was he to record the history of his clan and kindred? Would he name and fashion the names of the gold gods and goddesses into saints of the new religion, turning the ancient groves, wells, springs, burial mounds and mountain cairns into holy wells and sites named after the one new one god and his saints. Changing and retelling the old sagas of his clan, people and culture to match and fit the new faith. The old wisdom survives still as part of our culture, resined in the names of hill, wood, stone and well, memoried in the tongue of his clan and kindred, spoken and worded still in our native tongue, in our songs and stories. Shinny, oh my God, thanks very much. Oh, that's a brilliant, one perfect start there, Cattle. And we're going to have another one from Cattle a bit later on. Uh, Cattle, tell us a bit about the poetry. You write quite a bit yourself. Uh, I, I do, yeah. Um, it, 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 it can vary. Uh, I might end up writing a sonnet about a tree that I have in the backyard here or, or just about the garden in general or something to do with the history of, of, of Ireland and this culture. Um, modern poetry as well. I just finished a poem about the Titanic recently, so uh, it's whatever moves me on the day, John. Do you and, get out uh, to perform your poetry much? I beg your pardon, John. Do you get out to perform your poetry at all? No, I don't. Obviously, no. In in this moment with the pandemic, that's not going to happen. But no. what I've enjoyed recently, John, is is the Zoom uh, meetings with many poets uh, has been organised where people can get together in the evenings uh, from around the country and and indeed abroad and and people can just read the poetry. It, it can be a wonderful way to spend an afternoon, mug of coffee and listen to people reciting the no, poetry. Really. Of course, yes. So I'm looking oh, forward to poetry today. Right, we'll have you back a bit later on uh, for a real dramatic one, but thank you for that. It was a wonderful start. Perfect for the subject. It really launches us. See you soon. Okay. Absolutely. Thank you, John. Okay, now we've had a lot of people come on for this, which is lovely. Uh, we have Fergus. Hello, Fergus. Now, there's going to be something of Fergus a bit later on. I'm quite excited about showing that. And Shell's here. Fabulous. And uh, Donna's here. Lovely to see you. Uh, so, let's move on with the next thing. And this is where we... I, I Unfortunately, Cathal was the only one that's live. So, I'm going very jukeboxy here. So... I trust this is all going to work uh, well for us. Now, this next one uh, I'm pretty excited about, and, and it's really going back 12 years um, to the time, well, we moved in just uh, to Karakori Cottage, I think it was 12, 13 years ago, and I set up the tree labyrinth that you might be familiar with here, and the plants went in uh, so on, I think it was 2008, so that's like 12 years ago, and it was ready to walk the following inbox. Not long after that, we had a workshop um, with, has anybody heard of Robin Williamson, founder of the Incredible String Band? And I'd seen him the year before, 
And I was referring to his album, The Deeds of the Tour de Donham. And I said to him, oh, he was performing at Markery Castle in Sligo. I said, oh, I'll have to take you out to Moitura, which is the base of your deeds of the Tour de Donham. Aha, he thought I was just um, pulling his leg. It was To him, it was a mysterious place that no longer exists. And I said, oh, yeah, it exists. And these places you talk about in the deeds of the Tour de Donham, they're actually there. Oh, no, no, no. Anyway, I challenged him again. We got a group of people together, and he actually came here for a whole day's workshop. And uh, we we went round to the sites of Moitura, and he performed various sections of his deeds of the Tour de Donham right on the site. He couldn't believe it, that he was actually on the site, uh, that he was actually uh, on Shilur, uh, for instance. And he was there by West Lawn Wellies, um, Heapstown, and Unshin River, the Inshin, and, and uh, Labby Rock, the places Noada's supposed to be buried, all these places. Anyway, I'm going to do an encore of a video of that time 12 years ago. And you'll be quite amazed when you actually see the tree labyrinth when it's just laid out with its paths and little tiny trees that are less than a foot tall. So this is a sort of a jukeboxy thing. I'm going to try and get it on for you now uh, with uh, Robin Williamson. So hold on a second because I'm still fingers and thumbs with this one. And we'll get you going uh, with uh, the Robin Williamson and the deeds of the Tour de Donham. Let's get him going. No, I don't think you've got any. I don't think you've got any sound. I'll try it again. Back again, back to the beginning. <laughs> right, let's get this with some sound for you. All right, here we go. Now I should have him up. Uh, well, I did have him up. Where is he? Don't say I've lost him. Right, I'm going to have him up now. The Teeds of the Tour de Donan. Have ever since been entitled to cleaning and edged with liquids I'm going to have to go back a bit because it, it started playing. There we go. Time began, begins, and will begin. Ever dear to me, the silent place, amid the holy mother of oceans, in the land of souls, where the gates of the world await, whoever dares them. Oh, may that primary silence be the source of the voice in me that I raise now, in the name of the maker of all. I make reverence to the ancestors and to the spirits of the unborn as I begin. May it bring good 
to whomsoever may hear it. This teaching tale from ancient Ireland, this tale from the magic lord of Erin, this tale of the deeds of the Tuatha de Danann. champion now brought forward a magic sword, a sword he had taken as a prize of war. It was the sword which had belonged to Terra, lord of the Vavorig. It was the nature of this sword that when it was unsheathed and cleaned, it would begin to speak of its deeds and of the deeds of heroes and to answer questions. It was this sword which revealed to the Tuatha de Danann the nature of the spells of concealment laid upon the Doida's harp by Elaha, father of Bress. With this knowledge, the Doida was enabled to call his harp back to him, and in gratitude to the sword of Terra, all sharp-edged tools and weapons have ever since been entitled to cleaning and care. The Doida called to his harp, saying, Come, Dardoblo, oak of two greennesses, Frame of melody, bringer of summer, bringer of winter, voice of music in all instruments. And Dar Doblo appeared in the air before him. The Doida cradled his harp in his arms. And the Doida stretched his fingers on the strings and played the modes of laughter, tears, and rest. He played the modes that called forth the seasons of the year, in their full vigour and order, as they were first made by the hand of God without flaw, without error, without restraint. The blue bells of spring, the singing birds of May, scroll-headed bracken, summer's briar rose, fresh meadow grass, the apple of September, hazels, snow upon sea beaches on the crisp days of winter, rain of sweetness, the rising moon, and the pure and healing sun. And the doida drew the stone of power out of Phalias, the stone given now to the Tuahadidanan by the teacher Morphesa, the stone called Leofal, the stone of destiny. It would shout beneath the foot of a true king to make him known that none like Bress should ever rule again. Lu Lov Fada set his foot upon the stone, and Leah Fall shouted with a shout that could be heard in every part of Erin, in every quarter of the air, in the high and the low mountains, and in every plain. It was now in the power and at the discretion of the Tuahadidanan to execute Bress, for his treachery. But Bress said, Better to spare me than to kill me. What if we spare you? said Lu Love Fada to Bress. I will tell you a secret of the Favorig, a secret that will bring your fields to harvest in spring, in summer, in autumn, and in winter, four harvests in each year. But the Tuahadidanan made him this reply, saying, we do not require your secret, 
The old way has always suited us, as the bards relate. Spring to plough and sow, young summer for strengthening the grain, young autumn for ripening it and reaping it, and winter for consuming it. Your secret does not save you, said Lou Love Fada to Bress. But answer us this question with truth, and your life will be spared. On what day of the week should the men of Erin plough? On what day sow? And on what day reap? And Bress made this reply. On Tuesday plough. On Tuesday sow. On Tuesday reap. By this answer, and by this answer alone, Bress obtained his reprieve. For the sake of this answer, his life was spared. Angus the Mock Ock, son of the Doida, came forward then with birds of every colour flying before him and beside him as he walked, and with nine flowers of strength braided into his hair. He brought with him the small, sprightly, black-coated, black-maned young cow, the young heifer that the Doida had been paid as wages for the work he had done for Bress. And all the cattle that had been taken from the Tuatha de Danann by the Favorig followed the young heifer out of the places of the Favorig and back into Erin. And as the Doida's young heifer began to low, the cattle of Erin began to graze. In the name of the one from whom all things begin and in whom all things end. I make an end. May it bring great good to whomsoever may take heed of it. This tale of the deeds of the Tuatha de Danann and of the two battles of Moitura. This tale of instruction from the cauldron of Murius. <laughs> Hey, I hope you uh, enjoyed that. Uh, <laughs> well done. Catholic clap in his hands there. Great. Uh, yes, there's a couple of things on there also of interest because I hadn't gone through it uh, uh, for a moment. Did you notice Loxall there? Loxall actually is that uh, mysterious lock. Uh, it's by Lock Bow, which always has water in it. Every now and again, it was once every hundred years, uh, the Loch Nassau, uh would empty. And nobody knows the reason why it would empty. And some of the times it empties quite crazy as well. Apparently, when Hitler became Chancellor of uh, Germany, it emptied. When Margaret Thatcher became the leader of the Tory party, who has a similar chart to Hitler, it emptied. And um, I'm trying to think about some other characters. 
but you notice the well if you know the story that uh, Lou knocked out Bala's eye uh, on that lock and his eye went down and went down into the earth and that's what brought the water up did you see the the Ballarai hole there it's still there and uh, so we got a good uh, shot of that and at the end Robin is at the old Carolyn uh, grave there by Kiju and uh, he actually performed farewell to music but I didn't have the heart to video it it was so personal and he actually loved that uh, moment and thank you Fergus he, he actually uh, enjoyed that uh, magical story there and we're going to have a bit of Fergus very soon and uh, oh I do you know I actually have to wear glasses now and uh, there's uh, Moira imagine the myth influenced Robin without him being on site yes it was very precious uh, he, uh certainly and we got Lamer here right over from Tennessee I believe uh wonderful <laughs> that you're here I hope you're still logging into that I think a Robin fan too anyway without more further ado and uh keep this uh lovely jukebox going and we've got um Fergus here so the next up and well, I'll let Fergus actually explain. He's got a couple of poems. He was on live here a few weeks ago when we had a, another poetry session. Gonna, so I'm going to move on to uh, Fergus now. And it's best if he explains the whole thing. So here's, uh, we'll get this wound up for Fergus Horgan now. And uh, make sure you can get the, get the audio because that, that can slip away so easily. So let's bring you up, Fergus. Now,
right okay so there was no fergus sound so let's uh, have another shot again sorry about that we're we're i've got the uh, audio there and um let's find fergus again i might have to wind him back to the beginning right let's wind him back there we go we should get some sound now we'll, we'll get him right back to the beginning the here. right there we Story go from a sacred site let me know the sound site. now i suppose the place that i thought of first of all i wanted to bring you to is um i wanted to come here today to the magdalene the good shepherd convent in waterford the old magdalene what was the magdalene home well, it's a magnificent building. I'm not sure if it's heritage in that sense, John, but I, I guess in a way it is. This building is now part of Waterford Institute of Technology, the School of Humanities, and the poet John Ennis, the Mead, West Mead poet John Ennis, was head of school here for many years, and he had the foresight to build the School of Humanities on this campus. And so lots of people will know it for that, but, but many other listeners will know it for its history, the Good Shepherds. And, you can't quite see it, but but over this wall, um, the gates are closed today because still because of lockdown, was the orphanage. This was the, the church. This was the convent. And behind the convent was the Magdalene. Part of the story about the church is that there were three or four paths into the church where the children would take one path and they wouldn't be allowed to mix or meet with their mothers or the Magdalene women. And um, the nuns would take another path in. But John, where I wanted to come was I wanted to come to the trees. I wanted to come to the, the chestnut trees in particular. And there's some magnificent old trees still standing. And this is the sacred earth, the, the hollowed ground that I wanted to pay my respects to today. And I've asked this tree stump here, John, there's a, I don't know if I can show it off correctly. But one of the trees, John, fell. And it fell on the very morning that the Martin McAleese report was launched into the Magdalene homes. And I know you believe and I believe that the trees and the earth and the wood and the stones all hold memory. And the trees here would have heard stories. And um, I think it's just a beautiful part of the story that the tree fell on the day that the report came out. And John, I wanted to read a poem that I wrote myself, and it's called The Good Shepherds. Your hand was warm in mine, my love, and you were three days old when they took you from me in the dark. The Good Shepherds. In the morning, a doctor I didn't know injected me and said that you'd been taken by the angels. That you died in a hospital somewhere up in Dublin that didn't have a name. And when I prayed and asked to hold you one more time to take you back and bury you beneath the chestnut trees, he said, your body had been given to medical science. And I might have accepted that, maybe. And sometime, let, and sometime later let you go. Who knows? But he went on and said something else, like small amends for a wretched soul. And I knew he was lying to me, the doctor with no name, about the hospital somewhere up in Dublin that had no name. And you, my perfect angel, that had no name ever written in time on a single piece of legal paper. You were only three days old when they stole you from me that night. Those good shepherds. Your hands still warm in mine. 
There's a beautiful story that the children here used to tell about ladybirds. And the story is that when they'd find a ladybird in the gardens, they would talk with the bird, the ladybird, and they'd tell it their worries and they'd give it a message and the ladybird would carry the message back home to their mothers and I guess sometimes their fathers too. A nursery rhyme for the Magdalene children. Ladybird, ladybird, wipe up all my tears. Ladybird, ladybird, fly me away from here. Ladybird, ladybird, bring me back to mammy. Ladybird, ladybird, show me to my daddy. Ladybird, ladybird, wash away all my sins. Ladybird, ladybird, don't ever leave me. Pray here alone again. Ladybird, ladybird, don't leave me here. I offer those little poems as, uh, as respectfully as I can to the sacred ground, these trees, the church, the convent, but I guess most of all for the earth and for the children and the women who walked here. Wow, yes, um, as Moira uh, rightfully said, um, stunning. Yes, very stunning, Fergus. And the one thing uh, that's been shown here is this Heritage Week, and the one thing about Heritage Week, it isn't all fun and games and all the lovely stuff. Of course, when I do the stories, I tend to focus on uh, the very nature-linked uh, folklore. And even then, it, there's a lot of tension in nature, and, and Fergus has beautifully presented one of the dark sides of the heritage, and this week is obviously a mix. Obviously, we don't want to live with that, but I think and I believe we do need to forgive and uh, we do need to get away from any sense of revenge. But the one thing we don't do is forget because there's lessons learned uh, from that about our present and who to be and our values and keeping on. That's my feeling uh, with this. So thank you, Fergus. Uh, very essential poems, I think, uh, certainly for this session and beautifully presented as usual. Uh, wonderful, and Moya was definitely right. Um, yes, uh, there he is. Uh, thank you. It was a pleasure to do that, uh, always. And Sandra, and there's one other character that's popped in. If you come back for Bards from the Woods in um, at four o'clock, you'll see this character, Keith Cranog. <laughs> uh, lovely to see you here, Keith. Um, so I'm sorry about the sound there. Uh, the facility here uh, with the StreamYard platform that I use is I'm actually putting the videos through something that they use for uh, presentations for PowerPoint. So I'm sneaking videos in for that because the video amenity uh, at the moment is very small. They are expanding it. They're expanding stuff each week. So that's why it's a little bit uh, jukeboxy. Anyway, I'm going to go on to, uh, is there any, let's see who else. There's a few people turned up, Donna. Um, thank you. Yeah, let me tell me if the sound doesn't come on because it's a little bit tricky getting the sound on. As I say, this is for PowerPoint uh, that I'm putting through. And there's a little tiny button. You can barely see it with the mouse that you switch on should there be any sound. Anyway, I'm going to lighten things up a bit now. Uh, and I, I mentioned Bards from the Woods, which uh, is being presented at four o'clock. And I hope you don't mind this uh, again. 
These sessions get longer and longer on Sunday, but there's such wonderful stuff this afternoon. I hope you don't mind this going on for about an hour total. Uh, anyway, uh, some fun stuff. Bards in the Woods, and this is the heritage one, so I had to put it now, uh, because we're all dying to get out to the Lake Isle of Inishfree on Loch Gill. And uh, we decided to do it, I think it was six years ago in July, and we managed to rent a boat. Unfortunately, the person with the boat isn't doing it anymore, but this was absolutely priceless to go out to Inishfree, uh, to the Lake Isle. It was a dream of some of the poets to go there. To, and I'm gonna talk a bit later, there's land that's all around this land that we're trying to get hold of to actually make it a, a natural woodland sanctuary. Well, one thing about the Lake Isle of Inishfree, as you will see in a moment, it is a natural woodland, native woodland sanctuary with a few paths, a lovely picnic area. So this is uh, quite novel. It starts off with Claire Roach, actually. Uh, she's uh, singing the Lake Isle of Inishfree, and there's a pictorial presentation of our being there. And then we get on to was some stuff that happened and some poems uh, that are there. And the funny, well, you see, the funny thing of it is the actual forecast for going there was the Lock Gill to be rough. Is the boat going to go? Is the boat not going to go? Anyway, without further ado, I'm going to get on to our little adventure that we did with Bars in the Woods uh, six years ago. And this was, um, well, our little adventure on the Lake Isle of Inish Free and try to find that little button with the audio. Please tell me if you if there's no audio. This is essential with this one. Well, they're all essential to have audio. But anyway, here we go uh, with the Bards in the Woods going to Lake Isle of Inishfree. Cattle, give me the thumbs up, great.
Sunday in July, sure, where would you be? Then trying to get to Lake Islandish free. But here in the West, nothing simple or plain. Our departure affected by promise of rain. 10 a.m., 2 p.m., 3 p 5 p.m., 3. Chopping and changing like waves on the sea. Like a poetry army awaiting the call to go over the top before rain or nightfall. <laughs> that I'm reading this now, it surely must mean that we're here on the island hunting nine rows of bean, lugging our picnic and poetry books so there's none so determined as bards in the woods. So enjoy now the day of prose, food and hugs as we feed ourselves and ourselves feed the bugs. On a Sunday in July, sure, where would you be? Then here at last on Lake Island is free. <laughs> Time runs as the river Shannon, rising and flowing, long and easy. I am the body of Ireland, the holy land of Ireland. I breathed you into being. I washed you, suckled you, warmed you at my heart. I am the body of Ireland, the holy land of Ireland. I am not just a green dream, but your flesh, your grandmother's bones, the blood beating in your breast. I am the body of Ireland, the holy land of Ireland. I am your temple and your fervent fire, justice met of my sacred realms, the peace of your grazing cattle. I am the body of Ireland, holy land of Ireland. I am your fear, your heart fully whole, your soul. Holy Queen.
Lake Isle of Inishfree by W.B. Yeats. I will arise and go now and go to Inishfree, in a small cabin built there of clay and wattles made. Nine bean rows shall I have there, a hive for the honey bee, and live alone in a bee lined glade. And I shall have some peace there, for peace comes dropping slow, dropping to the veils of morning to where the cricket sings. Midnight's all a glimmer and moon a purple glow, and the evening filled with linnet swings. I shall arise and go now, for always night and day I hear big waters lapping by low towns by the shore and on the pavement and on the roadway grey i hear it in the deep heart's core i hear it in the deep heart's core <laughs> was fun <clears throat> excuse me that was fun uh, for me to see again uh what you had there obviously at the beginning was uh claire roach she was singing uh the lake isle of inish free her version and then on came uh donica monk and she did that comical on a sunday in july describing how that came together and then it was b smith with i am the body of ireland i'll be having b smith on baths from the woods and then uh, her partner, her husband, Tony Cookson, he actually, it was his dream to be there. So he had to recite the Lake Isle of Inish Free. Sorry, there was a bit of the uh, camera cover over that. There were some various clips from a Jane Gilgan who was there. So I nicked some of the clips as uh, fillers, especially the rain pouring down, those sort of things. And there was a few sharp uh, snippets from Claire Roach, uh, Ashley, uh, singing on the island there. Um, I, and Sandra's obviously enjoying it here. Uh, bring her up there. And Fergus likes the poetry in the rain. I'm glad uh, you're actually enjoying it. And I'm glad you're actually hearing it. Uh, thank you very much uh, for your comments on that. Uh, now, while we're actually in the Yates groove, I'm gonna uh, I'm gonna go back to uh, the bards in the woods, and keep just a couple of uh, quick ones here, and uh, I'm gonna bring up a couple more uh, Yeats poems. The first one is actually from uh, Dooney Rock, a very short one from Dooney Rock, and you actually see again a few scenes uh, from there. So let's bring up the uh, Dooney Rock here. Remember, switch on the vo uh, volume. There we go. Dooney Rock coming up. Where is Dooney? Oh, Dooney Rock. I, I can do it a much easier way. Uh, yes, uh, we can use their actual video. 
There we go. And now is a bit of Dooney rock. When I play on my fiddle at Dooney, folk dance like a wave of the sea. My brother is priest in Kilvarnet, my cousin in Mockerevoy. I passed my brother and cousin, and they read in their book of prayer. I read in my book of song that I bought at the Sligo Fair. When we come at the end of time to Peter sitting in state, he will smile on the three old spirits, but call me first through the gate. For the good are always the merry, save by an evil chance, and the merry love the fiddle, and the merry love to dance. And when the folk there spy me, they'll all come up to me with, Here's the fiddler a dooney, and dance like a wave of the sea. All right, great one. Now, the next one coming up is going to be Stolen Child, and this one's by Robard McElroy, a poet I absolutely love. He's a Dublin poet, and he does tour guiding around Dublin, but he sometimes comes to Sligo for some Yates tour guiding as well. And this one is taken from Fitzsimmons Park, which is a lovely natural native woodland by Sandyford, so it's by the M50. An amazing place. So we had a session in there. I think it was uh, one March. So I think uh, Robot gives a lovely presentation of uh, Stolen Child. And I've put some Stolen Child scenes with it. So here's Robot now uh, coming up. Where dips the rocky highland of Sleuthwood in the lake. There lies a leafy island where flapping herons wake. The drowsy water rats. There we've hid our fairy vats full of berries and of reddest stolen cherries. Come away, O oh human child, to the waters and the wild with a fairy hand in hand. For the world's more full of weeping than he can understand. Where the ways of moonlight glosses the dim grey sands with light, far off by furthest rosses, we footed all the night, weaving old and dances, mingling hands and mingling glances, while the moon has taken flight. To and fro we leap and chase the frothy bubbles, while the world is full of troubles and is anxious in its sleep. Come away, O oh human child, to the waters and the wild, with a fairy hand in hand, for the world's more full of weeping than he can understand. Where the wandering water gushes from the hills above Glencar, in pools among the rushes that scarce could bathe a star. We seek for slumbering trout and whispering in their ears, give them unquiet dreams from ferns that drop their tears. Come away, O oh human child, to the waters and the wild, with a fairy hand in hand, from a world more full of weeping than he can understand. Away with us, he's going, the solemn-eyed, 
no more he'll hear the lowing of the calves on the warm hillside or the kettle on the hob sing peace unto his breast or see the brown mice bob round and round the opening chest for he comes the human child to the waters and the wild with a fairy hand in hand from a world more full of weeping than he can understand ah uh, great um how you enjoyed those two i uh, sorry the uh the lovely lady that uh, did fiddler of dooney i don't know who she was it, we were just having our picnic there uh, at the top of the dooney rock and she's a sligo woman she just appeared recited the the poem she was with her daughter who sang beautifully i'm going to have that another session and then she left and i never found out who she was anyway i thought that was lovely that uh, she came along to do that now i've got two more uh, poems to come two more poets I, or is it three i think it's three uh before that uh, i'll give the notices now and uh this is a very serious time because we actually have a new fundraiser that we're going so i always tell you the labyrinth gardens the karakori labyrinth gardens and these sessions are funded by your donations well something else has come up all around us, the land all around us, 360 degrees, all around the Karakori Labyrinth Gardens is up for sale. And the, there's been viewers of the land who've come round, and everyone that we've talked to so far, they're talking about building holiday homes and Sika spruce plantations, one person. And all these inquiries, they don't live around here. They're just coming here for the investment, want something back for the money. So what I've done is actually I've launched the campaign to see if we can raise the loot to get this land ourselves around this garden and uh, create a public uh, community natural native woodland amenity because some of the land here through lack of use it's naturally become a beautiful woodland on Facebook I've been posting pictures that uh, the wood has appeared by itself through the wind through animals through bird droppings and we've suddenly got order and holly and willow uh, and uh, rowan and various trees, fungi, wild plants. So this whole natural woodland, someone asked me this morning, uh, are we going to do planting? The way it's going on, I don't think we need to. We, it would be nice to have a, a means to see what people can actually go into it and move through it. Uh, so there's also a round sweat house there. There's a well. And there's a lovely bubbling river that goes through the land as well. Anyway, I've got a link. Um, if you go to the Karakori uh, cottage.com uh, there, um, hope you can see the ticker. Uh, it will link you to details. It's going through the GoFundMe, and that gives you the information and the follow-ups. appreciate if you have a look at that, because it's obviously quite urgent. We're trying to get onto this before people do buy up and, and block us and block the view with their holiday homes. We've got some holiday homes here. Uh, and of course, hardly anybody's ever out here to use them. And the last thing we want is a secret spruce uh, plantation. There's no way. Uh, in future, uh, the access to the labyrinth gardens here, when we have our Sunday sessions and open it up, 
it will be exclusive use uh, to you, uh, the sponsors. And through this uh, winter, I'm going to be developing a self-service course on the folklore subjects and various things that have been coming up with these Sunday sessions and will be coming up. And I'll be doing this course not with a, what, not with a charge. It's going to be as a, a thank you for you sponsors. And this course will go deeper into the themes, the stories, the information that's shared briefly through these Sunday sessions. Now, coming up on Sunday sessions, 30th of August, next Sunday, Sensing Herbs. How I wish this was outside. This is the idea of rather than going to a herb book and saying, oh, what's, what's this herb for? How can it, what will it cure? What will it help? It's approaching this the same way as perhaps a rabbit or a hare or a dog or a fox when they approach plants. What do they do? They use their senses to understand. They use their teeth to bite in to see if it's toxic and they can tell by the teeth uh, whether it's nutritious or, or and the benefits. So I am going to try my best through Sunday sessions to introduce that idea to you. Bring some of your own herbs and join us uh, with that. It's going to be quite a challenge doing this through the Sunday session, but I'm going to do some harvesting. Let's have a go with it. Uh, it should be fun. Sensing herbs, that's next Sunday. Then um, the following Sunday, 6th of September, we usually have a harvest home where people come and they show off some of the stuff from their gardens, their food, and we make potluck meals. I'm going to invite you to come on to Sunday sessions with the screen and show off what you got uh, from your gardens and the flowers, the plants, the, the vegetables, your yield, your harvest, and maybe something you made from it. So that's on the 6th of September. On the 13th of September, it's going to be the tree sanctuaries gathering. So we'll chat about your favorite tree sanctuaries. Some of you are building and looking after tree sanctuaries. Some of you have started them off through the lockdown. So we'll be doing that on the 13th of September. And then from the 20th of September, right up to Sawain, there's going to be a whole series of folklore sessions, one after another. Uh, so they're going to be adventures as well. So we'll be back on the folklore from the 20th of September. And later this afternoon, 4 p.m., do come back again. It's going to be the third Bards from the Woods. And uh, there's a lovely feature. It won't be as long as this, of course. <laughs> and uh, so let's uh, see what I'm missing from you folks here. What are you saying? Uh, so, yes, it's rewilding naturally. Uh, a she woman. Well, I should say there's plenty of them around here. Definitely, this is very much a she place. Anywhere where you've got a, a garden sanctuary or a tree sanctuary, there's very much. You can feel it, you can sense it, the she presence. But we cover that in all the other folklore sessions that uh, we've done. So I think we better go on to another poem now. And let's bring Castle back. Uh, he's still with us. Yay. Hey, okay. Here you go. Let me know You're when I'm on, John. You're on. You're on now. Okay. You're on now. All right, my you friend. You might have to switch off your phone. Can you hear me? Ah, that's it. Now we got the echo. I'm hearing you okay, I'll be yeah? Quiet. I'll be quiet. Are you hearing me okay? Yeah, I'm going to switch my mic yeah, off. Switch my mic off. Okay. Oh. 
Fire away. Fire away. Okay, John, here we go. Uh, this one's called Culture, Culture. It's hidden in my mind right now, the words I need. Driven deep, like our ancient birthright, our mixed bloodline, Celt and Viking, Norman and Saxon, millennia in the making. Celts, with a language as old as the pyramids, still spoken here. Masters of metallurgy and imagery, of metal forged and fashioned into cauldrons, swords and armour, brooches and chariots. Beaten and dressed with swirls of energy and metallic filigree, laying bare the soul of a civilization that was known to Homer and Caesar. The Celts, horse lords, warrior farmers and artisans, who gloried in war and gave us our deep love of the land and horses, the speed of hurling, the game of warriors. Storytelling, music and the magic and taste of the rhythm of words, language and the heartbeat of the feminine through our goddesses and mythology. The sacred magic of well and stream, of mountain, forest and glen, the runic signs on stone. Ireland, era, named after Eriu, one of our three Celtic goddesses, Banba, Fodla, Eriu. Later from the 8th century, the guttural sound of the Northmen. Bod, boat, batter, brogue, hew, brock, would shape and fashion the Celtic tongue. Their talent for commerce and city building would give us our cities hugging the coastline where Viking longships had rested downstream from our rivers. Then in the 12th century, the French tongue brought by Norman knights and French monastic orders would change the borrowed words accentuation in the Gaelic tongue. Butai, Bujal, Bottle, Garçon, Garçon, Boy. And their iron rule and talent for organisation would lean, lend structures to their rule, becoming more Irish than the Irish themselves, the Anglo-Irish. The flight of the Gaelic Lords in 1607 left the Northern Lands, Ulster ripe for conquest and plantation. The hard sounds and endings of the tongue of the Lowland Scot and Northern Englishman gave the Ulster man his distinct accent, formed and bent by conflict with the native Gael. A war of the three kings in the 17th century led to the penal laws which sought to break the soul of a colonised people, but never did. Her language and culture survived. Ulster's talent for industry and the clear waters of the Lagan and the deep water ports would carry the province along on the wind of the industrial age. Now in this modern age, we're here still. A culture and people beaten and shaped upon the anvil of invasion and conquest and emigration, famine and war. Thank you, everybody. Thank you again. Thank you, John. You might have to disappear because of the echo. All right. Right. Did you not uh, let's see how Yeah, there we go. Right. That, um, yes, thanks so much for Calvin. Sorry we had a bit of echo, but at least the poem came out uh, without that. Catherine uh, uh, Trina there. Absolutely wonderful. Lovely. Please be guests on this in, in the future. We have the Bards from the Woods inviting you for your poems uh, from the woods and uh, joining the various sessions that's coming up now.
there's two more, two more things coming up. But before I play these last two treats, um, I'll actually be, I'm going to go straight onto the true uh, treats. And uh, thank you again, Catherine, for joining us with these lovely poems. One that really brought us in uh, with the scribe and certainly with culture, how it wrapped it all up at the end. Absolutely fabulous choices there. Thank you again. And thank you all for uh, watching uh, Sunday sessions. Please keep commenting here if you're watching this as an archive after it's been live. And enjoy a safe week full of wonder, inspiration, celebration and enchantments out there in the woods, out there in your garden, uh, playing with the she. So until next Sunday, uh, play well and enjoy these two closing performances. And uh, there's another one by me to start with. And then we actually have Cormac DeBarra mentioned about Robin Williamson performing Farewell to Music. Now we've got Cormac DeBarra, who's actually performing that from Claire Roach's home, uh, Woodford House, uh, down in South Dublin. So uh, let's get on uh, and uh, throw me on and then uh, Cormac. And I'll say my bye-bye because I'll be closing this after this. And let's get the the ball rolling and the audio and let's roll the figure. Here we go. Come on, mate. Her basket. Val posted some pics of people doing some tricks and said it's a great place to visit. That's <laughs> <laughs> Thank you.